Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Kong Son with Believe in SDSU Basketball here on the Believe Podcast Network, place with a show for every team in San Diego and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? In this episode, we're going to continue down the different classes. We're going to talk about the freshman class, um, what is at stake for the second half of their careers, and, well, I mean, that's pretty much it. So, without further ado, here we go. We're recording this on a Tuesday night. If you're enjoying podcast thank you for continuing to listen thank you for subscribing feel free to drop a comment in on my instagram at at n-a-s-g-n-a-k or any of our posts on at believe sports let's talk about aztec hoops and we're going to start with the men's team in numerical order starting with number two adam seiko um he was one of the prominent bench players this season and he played about 12 minutes a game Um, his minutes per game didn't really change from one year to another which sort of indicates to me that this is sort of his his role on the team Um, but he did improve his field goal and free throw percentage during his second year he's definitely shown a lot of positives um, primarily on the defensive end Um, but what I've seen is his three-point shooting has gone a little bit down, and there are moments during games where he can be a little erratic with the ball. What I've seen that could potentially just be a part of playing experience is Adam can get caught up with the pace of the game as opposed to sort of controlling the pace. And what I mean by that is... An example is like a game against New Mexico where there was a moment in the game where New Mexico is really just trying to push the ball, press and play defense aggressively, trying to get steals and try to beat the Aztecs in transition. And there were a few times where Adam would come up with a great defensive play, whether it was a steal or a tip, and the pace would just sort of continue and he would try to play up to their speed. And... It caused, you know, either missed buckets, bad passes, and those little things. And when you're trying to build a lead, come back from a lead, whatever the case may be, those little moments start to have a snowball effect and can add up. And especially with somebody who typically on right now is averaging 12 minutes a game, I'm not necessarily sure if that's the cap that the coaching staff has put on him per se, but When you're playing with limited minutes, I think you're viewed with a a tighter uh, rope because you can't really make as many mistakes as a starter, per se, in terms of quantity. So every missed shot, every turnover, every missed opportunity sort of becomes more magnified in this bench role. So I think... If he's able to kind of control himself and the pace during the game and be a little bit more of a consistent three-point shooter, you can definitely see his minutes climb steadily next year. He has to work on his assist-to-turnover ratio. 
he will get more looks in a playmaking role, I would imagine, as everybody sort of moves up in the depth chart and he goes from just a role player to um, somebody who can be potentially be playing the backup point from time to time. Uh, but he's definitely, you know, his bread and butter is definitely defense and he's a very strong and stout person. You're not going to move him. So I, I'm not so worried on it about him on the defensive end. I just think he needs to develop his outside shot and knock it down a little bit more consistently in order for him to continue to develop his game and see his minutes go up. Um, a fun fact about Adam is he went to Sierra Canyon with Marvin Bagley, which if you remember, Jordan Shackles, um, Bishop Montgomery team in high school beat that Sierra Canyon team. So I'm sure that those two guys have had uh, a little bit of back and forth, I would imagine, talking about their high school days. And we'll go ahead and move forward to number three, Agwek Arope. He battled some injury this year, but he did play well when he was on the court. He was a big screen and roll presence and provided rim protection and was providing depth behind Yanni. He's only 6'6", but he has a 7-foot wingspan with a knack for rebounding the ball. So he's able to really play like a big, but with a shorter frame, he's able to be nimble and get around the big post defenders. So... Somebody like him is going to be invaluable next year. You know, he's often described as sort of the Swiss Army knife, sort of given uh, a little bit of role of everything, whether it's a wing or a big or rebounding or defending or what have you. And I know right now a point of his contention, whether it's through interviews or through articles that I read, is trying to develop a consistent outside shot. And that will only expand his role and expand sort of how he gets deployed from game to game. Maybe we're going to play a team similar to Utah State this year where their best player is a guy like Sam Merrill. It's an outside shooter. You put somebody who's 6'6 with a 7-foot wingspan like that out there who's also able to knock down spot-up jumpers uh, on the offensive end, and you have somebody that's going to be incredibly invaluable to the success of the Aztec team next year. And his one fact is, he was actually named the 2016 Nebraska Gatorade Player of the Year. So you sort of see where the potential lies with a rope. It's just a matter of how this offseason plays out and how he's able to um, develop his game. So I'm, I'm very, uh, I don't know, you know, stock market, is it bullish or bearish? I'm very high on him. I'm very high on Agwek. We're going to go ahead and continue to move down to number 13, Caleb Giordano. He just played in 11 games this year. He spent a year playing Juco ball. Um, he's just playing a sp spot minutes here and there. So I think for him, his goal is to develop a more consistent bench role next year. Um, I wasn't able to find too much tape on him or too much of a scouting report on, on him online. But from what I've seen on his social media pages, he's definitely a big big fan of basketball and that's all you can really ask for for somebody in his position where he just loves the game so he just wants to play and somebody like that would be easier to carve out a role and improve next year versus somebody who may think he deserves it as opposed to just wanting to play basketball if that makes sense being that he's from 
San Diego, definitely a big Padres fan and a lot of Kobe stuff on his Twitter page. So uh, that makes me a fan of him for sure. And we're going to round out uh, the sophomore class for the men's team with the Mensa boys. We're going to start with Nathan Mensa, who wore number 31. He was the 14th ranked center out of high school. He missed a lot of 2020 as he went through some respiratory issues in 2019. As late as the beginning of this month, uh, Coach Dutch did go on record as stating he was limited. He has been cleared to at least non-contact workouts and that he's in shape per se, but not necessarily in basketball shape where there's a lot of banging, boxing out, charges, blocks, all that stuff. For somebody who's 6'10", non-contact is practically non-existent in basketball. But hopefully he's going to get healthy, put together a really strong season. He's a great rebounding and shot blocking shot blocking presence along with Joel Mensa although from the same city of Accra in Ghana as Nathan they are not related despite being from the same city and having the same last name and knowing each other for a very long time and ironically both 610 and around 210 220 so all that being said he's definitely out there to help provide some depth to the front court he played spot minutes this season but he was able to improve his play i think last year he only shot the ball like less than 20 times and this year he's definitely cranked that exponentially despite playing a similar number of minutes per game and so as i see his confidence grow as i see him getting more and more comfortable within coach dutch's system i i would imagine you see somebody like him his minutes will grow because there is always going to be a need for a rim runner a rim protector especially with if nathan can stay healthy that's you know 40 straight minutes of 610 rim running shot blocking slam dunking screen setting big man that will be invaluable to everybody that's going to play next year and a nightmare for everybody else in the mountain west so we're going to go ahead and move on to the women's team. We're going to start with Kennedy Via, number zero. She was a three-star recruit out of high school. She improved her field goal percentage by 12 percentage points from last season. Despite being listed as a guard, she's only shot three threes this year, which is remarkable in the same way that a guard can shoot like hundreds of threes in a season. Definitely her minutes have increased about five to seven minutes per game per season. And I think she's averaged around 11 or 12 this year. So definitely look for an expanded role next season. Without her shooting that many threes, however, I'm just not sure about her level as a shooter. And that can really dictate how many minutes per game she's going to get, especially with um, Mallory Adams coming back from injury with Mercedes Staples being eligible from transfer uh, midway through the season. Well, it's there's a lot still to be determined with Kennedy's playing time. And the good news is that based on her improvements, she'll be definitely capable of stepping into that role. It's just a matter of when. Moving forward, we're going to go into 
Sofia Ramos, number two for the Aztecs. Uh, she was second in the conference in total minutes played, four-star recruit out of high school. She's just an all-out stud. She can get buckets. And when Taylor was having a tough time, Sophia was leaned on heavily as a scoring option, as a playmaker. We saw an uptick in free throw percentage, but there was a down year in terms of her shooting overall. And one of her big things that she has to work on is keeping the turnovers down. There's often times she has... Uh, a four or five turnover game, which looking forward to next season, I think she's going to be relied upon to be the number one playmaker, to be the number one option in the offense, to help set everybody up, to help get herself going, get her, her teammates going. She's going to see the ball in her hands a lot more with Taylor graduating. And the success of next season is going to vary greatly on her ability to make plays consistently. We all know she's very capable of making plays. We all know she's very capable of getting buckets at very clutch moments. But it's just a matter of stringing those types of plays together that I think will really drive where the Lady Aztecs will go next year. And I know I mentioned her before, but we're going to bring in Mallory Adams, number three, uh, who is also a four-star recruit out of high school. She missed about half or over half of the season after suffering a knee injury where she only played in six games this year. But she can definitely easily fit into that number two option offensively next year. Her averages while she was playing have been great, except for being a career 30% three-point shooter. So hopefully she can work on improving that, getting it into a higher to mid 30s to help spread the floor but her rebounding numbers are astounding and to have a great rebounding presence in the backcourt is only going to help defensive rebounds transitions i mean she could potentially be somebody who can just get the ball and go and sort of be a point slash forward if that makes sense even though she's technically listed as a guard um, next is uh, mercedes staples she's War number 12, she's the transfer from Minnesota that I had alluded to earlier. She was primarily recruited for her ability to stretch the floor. I can see her very much in a Jordan Shackle type of role next year when she's eligible about halfway through next season. And when you have somebody who can knock down the open shot to um, even coming off of screens, it really makes your offense so much more dynamic because you can have a shooter just sort of create its own offense and run around just a pin down screen can shift the entire focus of a defense where somebody like Sophia can make a play going the other way or even just knowing that if you have a shooter on the court there's one less defender you have to worry about you know it's almost like when you're playing pickup basketball and you know that somebody on your team is a shooter and the other team it knows that there's a shooter on the court, you know, for me at least, it was very easy to play off of that. You can fake handoffs, you can drive that way knowing they're not going to help. You can try to push the ball towards the shooter's direction where it pulls defenses over to that side. Then you have a weak side cut and they're open. Like there's so many things just by, like literally Mercedes can just stand in the corner 
and the play can sort of run around her and be involved towards having the action towards that corner. And the defense will have to react in a way that you couldn't react if I was in the corner, if that makes sense. Like just having a shooter's presence around the floor always keeps the opposing defense something to think about. And that's something to think about opens the chance to run diversions or, you know, slip screens or faking screens or pick the picker or whatever the case may be. You can run all these other secondary actions just because you know the defense has to keep an eye out for the shooter. So if what she's, you know, in for and, and if the tape shows or if the tape translates to next season, then she's going to definitely be a very important piece of the Aztec success next year. And to round out the sophomore class this year is number 15, Jaden Perez, who was a three-star recruit out of high school. She appeared in just a handful of games as she suffered a season-ending injury last season. And there was some reported ACL knee injuries that she was going through, ACL and knee injuries that she was going through in high school. So I'm just hopeful that she can really stay healthy to show what she could do. She obviously has a great mind. She's earning all academic honors. So with somebody like that, somebody who can be cerebral on the court, um, you just got to hope that they can stay healthy and show that what they can do on the court. So Jaden, I'm rooting for you to hopefully stay healthy and I'm excited to see what you can accomplish. So that about rounds up the sophomore class for the Aztecs. Um, it's actually going down the list pretty promising. I mean, especially for the women's team, there's looks like there's a lot more dynamic lineups that the women's team can put out next year. Maybe they can stretch the floor a little bit more, a lot more shooting, a little bit more balanced attack. It was a lot of Taylor and a lot of Sophia this year, and it was really hard for them to get going if defenses, all they were doing was just focusing on those two so if you add shooters you add other playmakers and rebounders from different positions all on the floor you have to just start to account for so many more things and that bodes well in the Aztecs favor and as far as the men's team is is concerned just improving on what they're already good at and getting back more healthy post depth is going to be very crucial for our ability to try our best to repeat what's happened this past season. So if you like the show, uh, please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. We're available wherever podcasts can be found. You can find us on believe.com and at believe podcasts and at believe sports. If you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact us at believe.com. Again, I'm your host, Kong San Kim. I'm available at N-A-S-G-N-A-K on Instagram. And until next time, go Aztecs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.